Hey, thanks so much for checking out our Liverpool One Church podcast today. Whether you're listening to us on Spotify or iTunes or you're watching us on YouTube, we're just so glad that you're here. You know, we believe that this message is going to equip and inspire you for your everyday life. And right now you've joined us in our relationship series called It's Not Me, It's You, because we believe that life is just so much better when relationships are done well. When everything is going well in your relational life, isn't life just that little bit easier? And we believe that the Bible has a ton of stuff to say on how to better live out our relationship lives. So we're so glad you're here. Don't forget to check us out on social media, on Instagram and Facebook, and enjoy the message. What is going on the 11, everyone? Good? This is a bit different, right? So everyone enjoyed the relationship series so far. It's not me, it's you. Is everyone loving this series? It's been a great series, okay? So today, what we thought would be really funny and a little bit of kind of a conversation around the table and just a little bit more lighthearted as we finish off the series is to do a little bit of Q&A with these two people who might think they know what this content is, but they might not know what all of this content is. And they're looking at me all nervous now. Um, I think we were going to be on a couch and then they realized we might fight so that we had to like be <laughs> separated from one another. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. There's the first bit of uh, peek behind the scenes. But what we thought would be really cool is if we had a bit of Q&A and we just unpack some of the stuff that surrounds relationships and families and all of the dynamics that surround all of those things in the way that we can just kind of hopefully get some real great wisdom and a little bit of insight and a little bit of Bible in there as well as to what goes on in a healthy relationship. But before we just jump in, what we want to do today really is we want to dispel some of the myths surrounding relationships and our relational lives because there are so many myths out there that we all kind of buy into. And I think one thing we really want to do as a church is just tell the truth and dispel some of the myths that are otherwise out there. But just as an example, as we kick things off, and before we jump in, um, there's a very short clip from a Hollywood film which really depicts the first one of the myths that we're going to look at. So if you throw your eyes on the screens, we're going to have a little look at myth number one. That's where all the girls have just gone misty-eyed and all the boys are like, what? You're so lame. You complete me. But the you complete me myth, the number one myth, I know that you guys don't really buy into that rule, do you? You don't really buy into the whole you can be completed by a partner or a spouse myth, do you? Is that something that you go for or you don't go for? I notice you're not on a couch, you're on two chairs, so it might have already half answered itself. (laughs) I think that um, the idea that you complete me kind of ties into what we were speaking about in week one, that idea that if we can find the perfect person, then the perfect person is going to be able to negate all of the, maybe the things that you would otherwise naturally be working on in your own life because the person that you're with is just so perfect. And I think that we all would like to buy into that concept, that idea of when you find the right person, then they're going to make you whole. They're going to be the the better half of you. They're going to be the making of you. And the um, 
The absolute truth is, I guess, that from my perspective, so I think that Emma um, is the best part of me for sure, but she doesn't complete me. She's been the best addition to my life 100%, but she doesn't complete me. And the reason why she doesn't complete me is the fact that she's not my maker and my creator. And my maker and creator is our father in heaven. And I think that the difficulty can, can almost arise in a relationship when we lose sight of that and we become so fixated on one another that we miss out on that relationship with God the Father. And I know that our relationship has always found great strength the deeper we've pushed into our relationship with our Father in heaven. The more that I'm in a good place with Jesus, the better I am relationally with Emma. So the idea that Emma completes me is not something that I personally buy into just because I love you, hon, but you're not my maker and my creator, and so... just the boss. You're just the boss. Just the boss. <laughs> yeah, only six and a half days a week. Yeah. What do you think? So, yeah, and I think a word, um, a little pearl of wisdom for the girls in the house, and that is this, that so often that we can think that we are only complete when we're in a relationship, it's sometimes it's not a great feeling to feel like the only girl on the shelf or the only girl who is unmarried, and also, um, there was this perspective bandied around, I remember when I was much younger at church, and that God created Adam and he created man first, and the woman was the add-on and she was the extra bit that came along a little bit later. And I want to just say that that is actually not true, because when you read in Genesis 1, it says this, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Do you know that when Adam was first created, he was male and female? That woman was already there. She was already in existence. And so you are not complete when you have a man, neither is the man complete when he has a woman because God created you complete in and of yourself. And it was only God's choosing to put Adam to sleep and take the woman, the female part, out of him whoops, and make her into an actual physical being. And so I just love that concept that God made us in the fullness. It says that we are made and created in his image with all the attributes of God. And I think it is a lie. It is a it is deception in its fullest to make you think that you need another person in your world to feel that you are absolutely complete. There we go. Awesome. So it's God that completes us. That's that's cool. Myth number two, the grass is always greener myth. So this would be for anyone in a relationship who would look at somebody else and think, man, why have they always got that great stuff going on? Or why haven't we always got that stuff going on? Or I see them and they're doing this. Or if only I was with them and I wasn't with him or her, my life would be better. So what would you have to say about the grass is always greener myth? Okay, myth three. <laughs> I think social media has a lot to do with that. I, I, I absolutely feel for any young person who's trying to find their way in life these days, figure out dating and starting on a relationship with social media. It's a battle we never had to fight when we were young. And I think social media always gives you the impression the grass is always greener on the other side, that somebody else has always got it on, that it's going way better than, it's going one way better in their life than it is in your life. And, and it's not always true. Social media is 
always so deceiving. We went out on Valentine's night and, <laughs> and Luke really treated me on Valentine's night and I think he put a post on social media and it just looked so beautiful and romantic and the truth was, in one part it was, but it was like where we had a meal was like in a nightclub so we couldn't have virtually any conversation. Then we come out, we had a £25 parking fine. Then I went home and, and I was in the bathroom being ill all night. And that was our Valentine's night. And you so, didn't put that on the gram though, hey? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it can look so romantic out there on social media and you're like, oh gosh, it just sucks to be me because they're just having such a great time. But everybody has a reality behind. Every picture there is a reality. And I think sometimes with that busy peering over the garden fence into somebody else's garden and looking at their flowers blossoming and looking at how neat their grass is and then we're looking at the dog walking our own yard and we're just like oh I hate living here I want to be there the truth is the grass is not always greener on the other side and I think sometimes we just need to focus more on where our relationship is keep your eyes on Jesus and keep your hand on your spouse and um, and, and focus Amen. on what God's <laughs> focus on what God's put in front of you you're weird. Ooh. <laughs> Did you just say ooh? <laughs> Focus on what God's put in front of you today, what he's given you to build today, invest in today. And that is the, you know, if you're on social media, you've got to be in control rather than it being in control of you. And I, you know, so many people come off social media because it's a downfall for them. It's a negative for them. It, 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 it plays with their mind. But, but just be in control and, and have a reality check. Be focused on your own home and your own marriage and your own family and investing into there rather than just spending hours flicking through the gram and comparing your relationship to everybody else's. And I think that it's really easy to fall in love but it's not easy to stay in love. I think that a lot of people will buy into the myth that like chemistry is what makes a relationship work and it isn't. It's work that makes a relationship work. And um, sometimes you've got to try and I guess decide what you want in the end. Because I think that if you were to do life considering what you wanted in the end, like what story do you want to tell in the end, then that then changes all of the decisions that you make today. Because the big danger is, and you know, you could even be looking at someone else's potentially greener garden. Even if you're single, you could be thinking that whilst I'm single now, you know, isn't it great for everybody else that's married? Well, let me tell you, when you're married, that brings a ton of tensions and stuff that you've got to work your way through that you do not have to deal with when you're single. Now, I'm not saying that one's better than the other. I'm just saying sometimes life is seasonal and you've got to learn the art of just embracing your place, like embrace where God's got you right now. Work and handle with everything to the best of your ability with what you've got right now and then God will bring into you world everything else but when you try and ask the question like what would what story do I want to tell in the end how do I want to end up what do I want to tell to my kids and my grandkids that then really fashions the decisions that you make today you know if you want to sit down in your 70s 80s 90s and tell the grandkids oh you know I had a, a fully loved up fruitful marriage then make decisions today that are going to get you to that place rather than just making them on a whim and a prayer and maybe based on emotion or on chemistry because um, the grass is not always greener. What you'll find is it doesn't matter what garden you go in, there's always weeds in the garden. Everyone's marriage, you know, and it's difficult. And I think you've hit the nail on the head. Social media has a part to play on this, but it's not always, you know, 
the, the, the social media stuff because you can look at someone else's marriage and you can think, man, I bet they never argue. Why do we argue all the time? And they've just got this like perfect marriage or, you know, you look at someone else and you go, uh, man, I bet they're having sex 42 times a day and, you know, <laughs> kind of like, you know, how does that work? Yeah, so 39. And then we kind of like go, you know, you just look and you make all of these assumptions, like how come it's so great for them doing all of this cool, fun stuff? And look, I just think that you've got to, imagine if you were to put all of your energy into looking after what you've got versus wasting it on looking after looking at what everybody else has got like how much better would your marriage be how much better would your relationship be how much better would you be if you're single right now waiting to go into a relationship if instead of looking and making assumptions that the grass is always greener you just put that energy into making sure that you're the right person right now how much better would you be when it comes the right time for you to be in a relationship. So figure out what story do you want to tell in the end? What what do you want to end up with? Yeah. Keep your eyes on God and your hand on your spouse. I like that. Write that one down, Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, myth number three. Practice makes perfect. <laughs> Make of that get, what you will. Where did you get these questions uh, from? Never mind. Practice makes perfect. Just like so many other things in life where practice actually does make perfect. Talk to us a bit about um, that in the context of a relationship and does practice make perfect? Is it like a sport? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I think that there are definitely things in life that you should practice. Like if you want to play the trumpet, you should practice that. If you want to be a good driver, you should practice that. If you want to be a great dancer, you should practice that. But when it comes to relationships, and I guess that we're referring to more of the physical elements of a relationship that maybe is outside of a marriage, the idea that, you know, kind of like try before you buy, practice makes perfect, that whole thing, you know, let us kind of like sleep around, sleep with each other, let's get super physical. I'm not convinced at all that that is an area where practice makes perfect. In fact, I'd even go so far as to say that it's detrimental for you and it'll hurt you. And when you consider the long game, like what do you want in the end, actually, it can really be adverse um, for you. I think that there are many things that you want to practice, but 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 that shouldn't really be one of them until it's the right time and the right season. You know, a lot of people say, you know, oh, well, we just need to figure out whether we're compatible, you know, are we going to work together? Hey, listen, I promise you, if you're a guy and she's a girl, you're compatible. It will work, okay? Like, you don't need to kind of go and try before you buy and just make sure everything's right because people often think that... Um, they need to make sure that it's going to be amazing physically when actually practice is not the driver for something being amazing physically between a couple, between a married couple. Intimacy is, and intimacy leads to a great physical and sexual relationship, not the other way around. People think that good sex leads to intimacy, but it isn't. It's being intimate leads to a great sexy, uh, sex-filled, fulfilled A great sex life, let's just leave it at that. You know, if you're intimate, then that will be something that comes out of that. You know, what story do you want to tell? Can you imagine the scene when you may be single and you meet the guy that you want to marry and you want to have his babies and you want to buy houses with him and you want to kind of like, 
commit to him long-term? What are you going to do? Sit him down and just go, hey, I just want you to know that like in all of these years that I've been getting ready for you, I want you to know I've been practicing really hard for you. <laughs> I don't know whether that's going to be the best sort of story that you could tell versus the idea of saying, hey, listen, just so you know, right, I'm a follower of Jesus. And that means that I'm not doing what everybody else is doing. And, and I am so committed to being with you for the rest of my life. And I am so committed to living out a principle that I want God's hand of blessing and favor on my life and on our marriage life and on our sex life that, that I've been saving myself for you. I think that that's a far more desirable story to tell in the end. And I think also, you know, it, it, it is important. I think the, um, you know, the Bible calls the devil a deceiver and the whole world is being deceived by his lies right now. And we spoke about that last week, that what we're telling our young people is normal and okay. It's far from normal and far from okay. And, um, and I think it's, you know, we, we live in what the world would call an upside down kingdom. And I would look at what the world takes as normal and just flip it, flip it. If you're unsure what to do, just flip what the world tells you to do. And then the chances are, you're more on track with what God wants you to, to do and the way God wants you to live. And um, I think it is really, um, it is really, it's your body is so precious and so valuable and you get one body, one body. Look after it, keep it special, keep it, look after it physically, um, the way you eat, the way you exercise, look after your body, but keep your morals, keep your values, keep your dignity. Don't share it around with everybody else. Like Luke said, for the need to want to be loved, that does not make you feel special. It does not add value to you, and it does not feel, make you feel intimate and close. In fact, it can do just the reverse, and it can leave you feeling very empty, very frustrated, very low, and very unclean. So it's like, put some, um, put some morals, put some value on yourself, and 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 yeah, and and and. If you can, when you can, just save yourself for your number one. Yeah. Great. Good advice. Okay, myth number four. So if it feels good, do it. Do you have any advice surrounding what we might say or do in a relationship um, that might feel great in the short term if we said a certain thing or did a certain thing, but that might not be the best advice for the long game. Yeah. So funnily enough, um, on the way to church this morning, Isaac and I were having a conversation in the car about food and about eating and about eating right. And I was saying to him, you know, you can eat all the kebabs and all the takeaways and all the junk food that you can consume right now. You can eat as Amen. much of it. <laughs> but I said, by the time you're 30, in another 10 years, you are going to reap the consequences of all that you've sown into your body, and that's not going to make for a very healthy 30-year-old. And I think that way um, in, in our lives as well, just in general, just because it feels good doesn't mean it, it is good for you. Just because it feels right doesn't mean you should do it. In fact, the Bible tells us that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. We have to weigh up what is beneficial for our lives. We have to live by, what do I think? Is this going to benefit my life? Is this going to benefit my relationship? Or is this just 
a fleeting feel-good moment. Yeah. And I guess we're probably talking about self-control, which I think that, you know, scripture has a lot to talk about and how when you have self-control, it can just lead to a healthier way of doing life. And I guess that um, it affects every facet of our relationships, doesn't it? You could think about, you know, where there's conflict or where there's tension and where there is a tendency to maybe like fire out, rapid fire verbal insults or be aggressive or show anger in a negative way at the time it can kind of feel good like if I just tell her this like she needs to know this it can kind of feel like this I'm going to get this out of me and I'm going to put this onto her and in the moment that can feel really good and almost releasing to a certain extent but in the long term it's actually utterly scarring for the recipient so I think that we've got to learn the art of just self-control and again, just play the long game. Do what's best for the story that you want to tell in the end. I know that probably there's been times even in our own um, marriage where you've sort of said to me about times where maybe we've been rowing or disagreeing. And I can't, I mean, I'm not saying we haven't had fights. We've had a few, but not like major I'd full I'd drop on. you in a moment. I'm just saying. <laughs> She's scary. I've raised boys, drop them in a moment. To be fair, I have seen you almost kill every single one of our boys, and I wouldn't doubt that for a minute, I've got actually. 10 pounds on them. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that maybe there has been times where we've been disagreeing over something, and then, you know, bearing in mind both you and I do public speaking for a living, this is what we do, you know, we're both very quick with our tongue, and that which actually God has given us a gift to use for good can also be used in a very adverse way as well. And that's just us being super honest. And there have been times when you've kind of said to me, like, why are you bringing that up? Because that is nothing to do with what we're arguing or disagreeing about, yet you feel the need to almost attack me and, and say words or say things that are just so peripheral. And I know that you've sort of said to me, like, hey, don't do that because it like it plants that in my head and you know I can't then get over it and it takes me a long time and I think that I and we have both had to learn the art of just like just be restrained sometimes it's not always best to give someone a piece of your mind because it's just not helpful you know I want my conversation to continually be the type of conversation that builds builds up and adds strength and adds value and you know sometimes you've got to learn the art of fighting well yeah so an argument in our house looks like I take his messages and throw them back in his face and I quote everything that he's She says, your point three said, <laughs> and I'm just like... And then the next round, he does that to me and it's like, oh gosh. And so you are right, very quick with the words, but you know what I think the, the danger is, is that, and I think this is for any couple, that you can get so involved in an argument that you're actually not even arguing over the thing you started arguing about. You just yeah. start to attack each other. And the actual issue is just no longer even an issue. It's no longer even in the conversation. You start to throw out opinions about what I think about you and what he thinks. And you know what words we used to say as kids, sticks and stones will break my bones, words will never hurt me. That's the biggest myth and the biggest lie of all. Words are living and words. God created the world through words. So words are very active and very alive and words have an actual effect in people's lives. And once that word is spoken, you cannot take it back. And it takes a real strong person 
to be able to have had words spoken at them to then be able to move on past them. And I think, you know, we have to be so careful with our words. So no, you can't just say what you feel like just because it's in the heat of the moment and just because it feels good because the result is those words are going to have a lasting effect in your relationship. And I think it probably crosses so many different parts of relationships. You talk about that exact same principle, even in the areas that you manage your finances together. You know, whatever you do, don't walk around the shops and just impulse buy because it feels great in the moment. But when you're paying it off over 40 years for a couch that cost 200 quid that you're spending three grand on, it's like it's not a wise decision. It's not, it feels great in the moment, but is that a good decision? Heck no. Is that a wise decision? Heck no. So play the long game. What do you want to, what story do you want to tell in the long game? And sometimes it just means being incredibly self-controlled. So good. Okay, so we've covered off some of the main myths surrounding relationships. So let's just change gear slightly because I feel like the church has been really great for so many years at telling all of us what we can't do. It's everything that we hear a lot of the time from the church is what you can't do and the rules surrounding what's not allowed and what's outside the rules. So just for a couple of minutes, I'd like to talk about what we can do. So um, what do you guys have to say about what great marriages look like and what kind of things can we do to produce a great marriage? I think it's a great question. And I think that in week one of this series, we started to look at that passage of scripture taken from 1 Corinthians 13 that we'll all have heard because it's like spoken at everyone's wedding and that's part of the problem because we all think we know it so well, we pay it and give it very little attention. But in 1 Corinthians 4 that we spoke about goes on into verse 5 and it talks about how love is not, I don't know if we can maybe put it up actually on the screen, but it talks about how love does not dishonor. It talks about how love isn't self-seeking, it's not easily angered and that it it doesn't remember the wrongs. It doesn't, you know, hold grudges. It doesn't keep that. So I think that maybe the first thing that you could do is if we broke down that verse, starting in verse five, the very first part that says love doesn't dishonor, I would interpret that as saying, well, if you want to build a healthy relationship, always assume the best. Like there's going to be times when maybe Emma's going to do some stuff, when I'm going to do some stuff that maybe we wouldn't agree with each other on, we wouldn't be in perfect alignment, but no matter what the decision is that we end up doing, I'm always gonna try to my very best of my ability to assume the best. Maybe there's a reason why that happened. Maybe there's a, a something going on that I didn't know as to why that became a consequence. I'm gonna try and assume the best of her all of the time and probably like one of the things that's easy to talk about but really hard to do is I think that in a relationship, you've always got to show the other person respect that maybe even at times they don't deserve, that maybe even at times they're not due, but always show them with complete and utter respect and never ever dishonor them. Um, go out of your way to try and compliment them, never try and criticize them. In fact, I don't know whether we've got this 100% right all of the time, but I know... I feel like for us that I've never, and I don't feel that you have ever, um, we've learned the art, I think, of never being critical of one another publicly. I don't ever remember being out for a dinner or around a table or at a conference or at a meeting and thought to myself like, why are you saying that about me a bunch in front of a bunch of people? I've always felt that Emma has shown me great honor and respect in that way. And 
I would always want to give you that back because we've been out for dinners at times and you kind of listen to the way that some of the husbands speak about their wives and it's done in a really banterish way, but actually it's just downright rude and discourteous to the point where you kind of go, no, no, that's not even funny. That is heartbreaking for her to hear you talking about her in front of your friends and in front of your family in that way. So I think that the first thing has got to be, you know, like show them respect that maybe, maybe even in the moment, maybe they don't deserve it, but respect them anyway, assume the best. And I, I, I also think one of the things that you can do to really, um, put some longevity into your marriage and some um, good wholeness that you're going to see some great fruit from is individually is making small, smart decisions every day. Start making just some small good choices and you might think, well, I'd, I'm trying to make this right choice and I'm trying to do this right, but I don't really see the point in it. Well, <clears throat> Zacchaeus, when he woke up of the morning, he didn't wake up that morning and think, today I am going to give back to the poor everything I stole from them. But he started to make some good choices. And he left the house and he decided to go and see what the crowd were looking at. And then he decided, oh, I'm feeling a bit short. I think I'll climb a tree. And then he got up the tree. And then Jesus asked him if he could go to his house for dinner. And then he agreed to go to his house for dinner. And what I'm saying is all those small right choices that he made yeah. that day led to a massive, massive um, change in his heart where the poor was all returned, everything that had been stolen from them. And I think what I'm saying is when we make small decisions every day just to keep doing the right thing, just to keep doing the right thing, just to keep doing the right thing, one day we're going to see a massive reward in our relationship from the small choices we make. I think that the, um, the second part of that 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5 scripture talks about how love is not self-seeking. So I think that sometimes what we miss and what we lack in our relational lives is the ability to continually be making it about them and not you. Making your marriage more about what you can give and not about what you can get. Um, you know, what's really interesting is that counselors will tell you that when it comes to relational struggles, there are two common themes that continually come up across all the generations. We like to think that we're all different, but we're all not. We're all the same. There are two things that continually arise in counseling sessions whereby the girl says one thing and it's the same as a lot of other girls and the guy says one thing that's the same as a lot of other guys. And I think that those problems can just be fixed very easily if we just made your marriage about the other and not yourself. And those problems are, from the girl's perspective, they tend to say, like, I don't feel emotionally connected with him. He's not emotionally connected to me. And that might be because of a lack of intimate conversations. Sometimes it might be a lack of hugs and just physical affection. But the girls say, like, I just don't feel emotionally connected with him. And then the guy, surprise, surprise, turns around and says, well, I just don't feel like we're having enough sex or I feel that the sex that we're having is not as fulfilling as it, it would like to be in his mind and in his way of thinking. And yet sometimes if we were to just kind of go like this, okay, let's just press pause. Could you imagine how much better your marriage would be if you made everything that you did about your other spouse, if you made everything that you did, you were going out of your way to give her or give him what he wanted and you were fixated on that, like I don't think that we would have half of the amount of counseling sessions that we're booking ourselves into because that right there is 
the fix. If Emma feels like I'm not being emotionally in sync with her enough and I made it my goal to, to make that a priority, then I think that I can satisfy that need within her. And I think it's just that openness and willingness to, to go out of your way to be what your other wants and needs and understand that like guys and girls are very different um like seriously and i don't want to take this off on a tangent but for those of you that are married how different how better would your sex life be if you were just willing to commit to ensuring that you were more about giving than than, than taking and it was not about like i want to feel something but rather i want to be a part of something and and if you kind of approached it that way like how much easier would that be how much better would that be? I think that you've just got to be committed to making it all about them. Great, great. Let's just, um, let's just ask a, a quick fire question. So why don't you tell everyone one thing that you wish you knew in your 20s regarding relationships? We Looking are in back, our 20s. What are you talking about? We are in our 20s. One thing you wish you knew in your teens then. <laughs> What, one, one thing about relationships that maybe having now negotiated years and years and years of marriage, what's one thing that you would say, I wish I'd gone, gone back and told my 20-year-old self that? So when I hear that, I think about, um, like, when you learn to drive a car, you're learning how to get that vehicle in motion and get going on the road. And, and, and sometimes marriage is like that. It's like the, the build-up to the marriage. It's like learning to pass your driving test. But, but what I wish I had learned in my 20s was to be able to drive reading the road ahead. So every time you get in your car and you go on a journey, you've got to learn to read the road ahead. And you've got to understand that the same mile per hour is not, it's not the same mile per hour on every road, stretch of road that you're on, but instruction changes and that you might be on a, a freeway, a dual carriageway where it's a national speed limit and you're going, but then there's going to be other times when you're on a country road and there's blind spots and you need to be cautious and you can't handle the car the same on the country lane as you can handle it when you're on the motorway or the highway. And so, and, and there's different road signs that flag up at different times and they're not there to tell you what you can't do, but they're there so that if you observe them, you'll drive safely and you won't have an accident. And I kind of, if I was to apply that to my marriage, I wish that's what I'd learned in my 20s. I wish I'd learned to look at things with, um, with foresight and longevity rather than being so hot-headed in the moment. I feel like I wish I'd learned what you just spoke about, where you live for your partner and, and live your life through your partner rather than just what I want and what I'm feeling. And I think it's a big thing, especially, and I can only speak from the female perspective, but, but I, you know, if he hurt me, I'd sit and lick my wounds for a week and I'd be like, don't touch me still hurting from what you said and we just waste so much time and so much energy just on absolute drivel I think if there's one thing the enemy wants to come against it's about Christian union it's Christian marriage because he knows you're going to bring out godly offspring from that marriage and so if there's one thing that he wants to come about he wants you to think the world has got it right they're all having crazy fun and and it's amazing and you're all dull and boring and and 
honestly, it is just a lie from the pit of hell. It's like God has just so much purpose and so much potential and the best love life and the best fun and the best everything for the union of a Christian and godly marriage. But it's like if I could tell myself one thing, it would just be read the road ahead. I need to know what kind of a day he's had. I can't just, you know, when he's had a really difficult day, I can't just, he can't just walk in and I just go bang, 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 bang with a load of jobs that I need doing. I need to be sensitive to where he's at in life and what's going on in his world. And, and I'm there to be his helper and his help meet. That's what the Bible talks about. And, um, and, and so, yeah, I just wish I knew how to, um, you know, what did they say? Pedal to the metal when it's a straight road and go for it and all the fun times, but how to navigate yourself around the, some of the tougher bends. And I think for me, probably, I mean, gosh, there's so many things that I, if I could go back, I would do so much differently. But I think that probably the main thing for me, I, I would love to be able to go back and tell myself, like, just, just stop striving. Like, you don't, you don't need to worry as much as you do everything is going to work out okay in the end, you know, because we like to come to church and follow Jesus, and we like to quote these verses that talk to us about how God holds our world in the palm of his hand, and yet we worry and become fixated on even the most minuscule of things, and I wish that I could just go back and just go like, Luke, you need to, you need to give yourself a big break. You don't need to compete with anybody, just like who you are is just the way God has made you, uniquely and wonderfully and fearfully made, and everything that you dream of in your life going to all come into your life at just the right time, but your timing is not better than God's timing. So you don't need to strive for anything. You actually just need to learn the art of pushing in and pressing in to the very character of God and who he is more than any other thing. In fact, if you're young, and when I say young, maybe like if you're under 25, under 30, I would say, hey, listen, if you put the same amount of energy into trying to be someone on social media or looking some way to your friends or striving to get a partner as you did with leaning into God everything would be different and you would have a sense of calmness and peace and a surety that everything really will work out for the good why because you love him and that's the promise that he makes so I wish I could go back and just go to chill out a little bit more and just stop worrying stop striving amazing you know time's gone but we all appreciate your honesty and we never want to be the church here at Liverpool One that would ever speak about something that is not helpful. And I know that Luke and Em's heart is that they want to talk into some of the most important areas of our lives, be they relationship or finance or areas where maybe other churches just don't go. And I think that I see these guys throughout the week and all throughout the day. And one thing that I can say is that what comes out of them is genuine and so that's why I can lean in and, and learn so much from you guys because I maybe get a bit of a peek behind the curtain into their private life and they come out here and they put themselves out in a public place and talk about how Emma spent the night hanging over the loo on Valentine's night, which is not on the gram. But hey, you know, I mean, I think, can we just give it up for these guys? Because they're so open and they're so honest. <laughs> 
Well, hey, I hope you enjoyed that message, but more importantly, I hope that you got a lot out of it as I did. And hey, maybe you've never been to a church service before. I would love to invite you. We have two services, one at 11 a.m. and the other at 6 p.m. And you can find all of our location details over on our website at www.liverpoolonechurch.com. And don't forget to keep up to date with us on all of our socials across Instagram and Facebook.